Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. This is not an additional Monday to Friday passage. I've got this new section. I'm calling it Walking the Way on Sunday. When Walking the Way first started, one of the things that I used to do was I used to do a commentary on some Bible verses. And unfortunately, due to time constraints and pressures of ministry, I had to find another way of bringing Scripture into people's lives, so we decided to go with a Bible reading and some prayers. More of a standard devotional. But a couple of people have said they really miss those those conversations about Scripture and and those commentaries that I used to do. So I got thinking about it, and what I got thinking and decided to do was actually the best commentary that I can do is my Sunday sermon. I am a Methodist minister. I serve as a, a pastor, as a minister for a couple of churches in West Yorkshire. So possibly that will be changing in the near future. And every Sunday, I sit down and I prepare a service. Trust me, it is usually Sunday morning. And I thought, actually, that would be a really good thing to share with people. And I'd really appreciate your comments and your thoughts. So my prayer, my prayer for us and my prayer for you, is that the words that I speak, the meditations of my heart, will be used by God to encourage you to live your life to the full. Amen. The sermon that I'm preaching today was delivered at St. Andrew's Methodist Church last week, Sunday, which was the 9th of June, which of course was Pentecost for everybody, so it was a Pentecost service. The Bible readings that I chose were from Acts 2, Acts 2 verses 1 through 15, which is the story of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, and then Romans 8, 18 through 39. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be the truth that you want me to speak. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Deb, my wife, will tell you that I have a very high opinion of myself, and I admit that I do come across as being very sure of myself. Inside, it seems that sometimes there, I might be fooling myself, but one of the reasons I come across about being so confident and so strong is because I have always been told that I have had the ability to do immeasurably more than I was capable of. And I have truly believed that. And when I look back on my life, I realize that those people who looked at me were right when they saw the potential in me. But my hope and confidence is not entirely sustained by my own ego. I believe and hope as much as I do, because I believe that God is with me. And as Paul said in the book of Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Several years ago, I had the real privilege and actually the joy of watching a video by a gentleman by the name of Eric Thomas. He is a Christian motivational speaker that goes into secondary schools, goes into high schools. And he gave one of the most inspirational speeches I have ever heard. And he asks the question, how badly do you want it? And as I listened to him, I heard three things. And the three things I heard are, how badly, number one, how badly do you want it? And he tells the story of a rich man who goes to a guru to find out how to be rich and successful. And the guru looks at this young man and tells him to meet him at the beach the next morning. And you can imagine this man's reaction. Initially, he's really kind of skeptical, but in the end, he goes down to the beach in the morning. And he turns up in a suit, 4 a.m. in the morning, 
and he finds this guru in swimming trunks. And he says to this guy, look, dude, I'm not here to be a lifeguard. But the guru invites him into the water. So he takes off his shoes and he goes into the Armani, in, in his Armani suit and he goes into the water up to his ankles. And the guru goes out a little bit deeper and the young man follows him up to his waist and then the guru goes up till he's up in his shoulders and so this young man follows him until he can no longer feel the bottom. At which point the guru jumps on top of him and pushes him under the water and holds him there. And you can imagine he's struggling and he's fighting to get to the surface. But the guru just keeps him under. And just as about as he feels he's about to pass out, the guru lets him up. And he comes spluttering to the surface and he swims to the surface, he swims to the beach. And you can imagine the feeling of, what, just what have you done to me? Really? What, what, what did you do that for? And the guru looks at him and he says, when you want success as much as you need to breathe when you're drowning, then you will be successful. When you want success as much as you need to breathe, you will be successful. Now I'm wondering is anybody, if anybody's listening to this, if they've had an asthma attack. What does it feel like to breathe so much that it becomes the whole point of our existence? I remember when I was training, in my ministerial training, one of the girls in our course had a really bad case of an asthma attack. And me having been in the ambulance service beforehand in a previous existence, basically I, what I did was I was the designated first aider for the course for the weekends that we were at college. And I got the phone call saying, could I go up to this young lady's room? And when I got there, I found a person who was really in a, it was probably one of the worst asthma attacks I'd ever experienced, even after all my years in the ambulance service. And the fear and panic in her eyes because she couldn't breathe before she passed out, before she became unconscious, was just will always stay with me. And that sense of fear in me as I dealt with the situation, thinking, here's my friend who's going to die. But it got me thinking about, particularly after listening to Eric Thomas, what does it feel like to need to breathe so much that it becomes the whole point of your existence? And I asked myself the question, what would my relationship with God be like if we needed God the same way as someone who was having an asthma attack needed to breathe? What if wanting to know God was everything? So I ask again, how badly do we want it? Second point that came out of that video, and this is something that Eric Thomas was quite willing to, you know, he was it's quite powerful on actually. It's are you at any moment willing to sacrifice what you are and what you have for what you want. In our case, as Christians, are we willing to sacrifice what we are and what we have for what God has promised? This is a question of sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to build your relationship with God? Are you willing to go without food for God? Are you willing to go without friends for God? Are you willing to turn your back on your family? For God, how far are you willing to go for God? 
Some of us may well have heard of a lady called Miriam Yaya Ibrahim. She is a, a Sudanese woman who had been sentenced to death for being a Christian. And would you like her be willing to offer your life up to God? Would you be willing to sacrifice yourself for God? But let me go back to the question that came to me. Are we at any moment willing to sacrifice what we are and what we have for what God has promised? But what has God promised us? That's a really important question because we say this, but we often don't know what that means. Let's take a look at some of the promises that God has given us. In Romans, Paul gives us a list of promises. He gives us a list of promises that one, all creation will be set free from the corrupting influences of sin. God promises us that the Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. Paul reminds us that we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf. Nothing, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. In verse 30, Paul writes that we are called. And in verse 33, he writes that we are free of condemnation. There's a lovely old African proverb, and me being an ex-South African and an ex-Zimbabwean means a lot to me. If there is no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do no harm. I'll say that again. If there is no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do no harm. That's a really important for us to think about. Because if we are in a relationship with God and we're in a good place, then it doesn't matter what's happening outside. God has given His Son for us. This is the most important promise. Because we are at peace with God, it doesn't matter what happens outside. And so we're able to, we, to freely give our lives back to God because God gave His Son for us so that we might be free. Christ has bought our freedom. And because we are free, we can be the very best that God wants us to be. The actor Will Smith once said that realism is one of the quickest routes to mediocrity. Just what did he mean? How many times have people told you to be realistic about your faith or the way that you view the world? When was the last time someone told you, dream big dreams? Dare to believe that God can use you to change the world. There's a wonderful author by the name of Marianne Wilson who wrote, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We ask ourselves, Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, the question is, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. She writes, we are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. 
And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So I'll ask you the question again. Are you at any moment willing to sacrifice what you are and what you have for what God has promised? The third thing I watched, third thing I kind of gained from watching all these videos is that actually we have a problem with pain. Now I know that no one likes pain. We do not like the struggle. We do not like humiliation or rejection. We do not like physical hardship. We just don't like pain full stop. But there is a one promise of God that is not particularly pleasant. A life lived for God will have pain. Rejection by those around us, ridicule, even physical harm and death are all possible for those who chase after God. But pain is temporary. It may last a minute, a week, a year, but pain is temporary and we have been promised that should pain be the death of us, then we will be going to a place that is pain-free. God has promised us relief from pain. No power in earth, sorry, I'll read that again, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing at all will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Pentecost happens. And when we read in the book of Acts, we see a small group of people who are willing to sacrifice it all. They were willing to pay any price, and they know the price of pain. But as Peter stood up to address the crowd, something inside of him was bursting to come out. It was a knowledge that was what he had inside of him was the truth and he wanted to share it so much that it didn't matter who he spoke to or who he shared this truth with because there was something inside of him driving him and he had no choice but to speak. He needed to share the love of God demonstrated through his son Jesus Christ, so much so that it was like wanting to breathe. Peter knew Christ. He knew God's love and his forgiveness. All he needed was the passion. He knew there would be times of trouble and pain and that ultimately would cost him his life. And actually, when we look back in church history, we know that he was crucified. But what drove him was the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the counselor that would come and empower them. When I asked how badly you wanted God, I was asking how much you are willing to give to the Spirit. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit drive your dreams? Because if you are, if you're willing to give him your hopes and your dreams, then who knows what great things you will accomplish. Amen.